Turn with me to John chapter 5, verse 1. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, there were two thieves on either side of him, and both of these thieves were cursing him and were ridiculing him. But something happened in the process. Perhaps one of these thieves saw Jesus and how he responded, or we're not really sure, we're not told why. But at some point, one of those thieves decided to repent of what he was doing. And he looked over to Jesus and he said, Lord, will you remember me in your kingdom? And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus had a godly, loving response to this man who had been ridiculing him. You know, I'm convinced that we need to respond rightly to people if we're going to reach people. Uh, there, there's so much in this world. Uh, there's so many things that are, so many needs that are out there. Um, and people need the love of believers more than anything else. Yes, we, we're supposed to speak the truth, but we need to speak the truth in love. I like what one scripture says. Our conversation, our conversation needs to be full of grace, seasoned with salt. Uh, Jesus was the master of this. He was perfect in his love. He was perfect in the way that he interacted with people. And Jesus comes across a man in the scripture we're going to talk about today who had been 38 years lame in his legs. But not only that, not only was he lame, but he was 38 years with no support from any individual. Is that not a sad state of affairs for anybody to be in? And for 38 years, he'd been camped out by this pool called Bethesda, wanting somebody to help him get into the pool. Uh, they had a belief that if they got in this pool at this certain time, that they might be healed. But uh, Jesus came along, and this man had been, for all of this time, uh, trying to get healed, and nobody had been there to help him. But Jesus comes and ministers to him, at his point of need. I think there are people out there with needs that God's people need to minister to. Amen? We need to follow in our Savior's footsteps. But um, the scripture today uh, talks about choosing right responses. And I believe we need to do that in our lives as believers. Right responses to other people. Look with me at John chapter 5 verse 1. After this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there's a pool called Bethesda in Hebrew, which has five colonnades. With these lay a large number of the sick, the blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water, because an angel would go down to the pool from time to time and stir up the water. The first one who got in after the water was stirred up recovered from whatever ailment he had. One man was there who had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the sick man answered, I don't have a man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath, so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, This is the Sabbath. It's illegal for you to pick up your mat. 
He replied, the man who made me well told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who is this man who told you, pick up your mat and walk, they said. But the man who was cured did not know who it was because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. After this, Jesus found him in the temple complex and said to him, see, you are well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. The man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Choosing right responses. One of the things I noticed in the scripture was that most everybody chooses the wrong responses except for Jesus. Um, and there are so many people that respond in the wrong way. And let's face it, probably all of us have done so in one time or another, we've responded in the wrong way. Uh, but we need God's supernatural empowerment. We need to pray for God's supernatural empowerment so that we can respond in the right way like Jesus does. So uh, what do we see about choosing right response? Well, first of all, uh, we need to choose caring action. Caring action. This man had been lame by this pool for 38 years. 38 years. Can you imagine what that must have been like? There's a psalm that says, No man cared for my soul. I'm sure that, that's the way this man felt. Nobody cares for me. I've been laying here with these other sick people, and nobody once has offered to help me. Nobody once has offered to meet my need. But Jesus comes along, and what does he do? Caring action. He comes to him, and he, he talks to him. He says, Do you want to get well? Now, uh, by the way, did you know that Jesus won't come into your life and won't help you if you don't want him to? He's a gentleman. He won't do it. But Jesus desired to help this man. He saw this man in his need and reached out to him. And then he says, pick up your mat and walk. By the way, you know, there's this theme about water in the book of John. And Jesus says, you've got this water, but I'm giving you the living water. Jesus is showing this man something through his caring action. He says, I'm healing your lame legs, but I want you to know that I want to do more than that. I want to heal your soul. And that's why Jesus comes back to him later and begins to talk to him again. Why? Because the, the miracle that Jesus performed was to point this man to the inward change that Jesus wanted to make in his heart. And we're not told that he ever accepted that, that he ever repented and surrendered uh, his life to Jesus, but, um, but this is what Jesus desired. He took caring action uh, to reach out to this man. Um, in our church, we do uh, servant evangelism things from time to time, and we minister to the needs of people. We have a food pantry that ministers to the needs of people. Uh, these are important ministries uh, because when we minister to people's needs, it shows them the love of Jesus. And as God's people, one of the things that is to distinguish us is his love. The Bible says you, they will know you're Christians by your love. And so uh, I thank God for people that love me enough to tell me the truth. Um, I thank God for the message of the gospel that I heard and, and how I had my sin confronted. Did you know that's a blessing? Some people in our culture think you're not supposed to point out anybody's sin you just live a private life and don't live and let live just kind of keep to yourself but somebody that truly loves someone else will take steps to help them right 
We'll tell them the truth. I remember when my kids were little, they wanted to play in the street. If I'd have followed that principle, they'd probably not be here today. But I told them, you're not going to play in the street. <laughs> and, uh, and I took measures to make sure they wouldn't. But uh, uh, Jesus took caring action with this man. He showed them the love of Jesus. That's what people need to see from God's people more than anything else. Somebody once says, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's true. When people can see that you love them, they're more open to hear what you have to say. Jesus loved people consistently in his ministry. And because of that, many people listened to his words and were changed forever. So choose caring action. Um, so choosing the right response is what responses should we choose? First of all, caring action. Secondly, bold witnessing. Now, I want you to look and see what happened when Jesus came into this man's life. Look at verse 8. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. Now, the Pharisees get all upset about him picking up his mat because it was against their tradition. But Jesus, seeing that he had been, he's, he's been here long enough. He's been here long enough in this depressing place full of sick people. It's time for him to pick up his mat and get out of here and enjoy life as God intended him to enjoy it. So Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And look at what it says. Instantly, the man got well. Can I tell you the chief need of the human heart is a relationship with Jesus Christ. He can touch what no human being can touch. He can heal what no human being can heal. He can change what no human being can change. He can set you free. I, I want you to know that there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we as believers need to be bold witnesses. Because what people need is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's a chief need of the human heart. More than a, a spouse, more than a relationship, more than anything else in this world, people need a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that relationship, when they're walking with him, becomes the greatest blessing of their life. This man, one encounter with Jesus, his whole life was changed. You know, I experienced the change of Jesus in my heart. And Jesus did a healing in my heart. And I know it's a healing because I know what I was. I know he healed what was broken in my heart. I know he filled me with his presence. I know he gave me hope and a future. I know he filled me with his purpose. And, and what a wonderful thing to know Jesus Christ, to have his touch upon your life. There is no greater thing in this life. People need to hear about Jesus. We need to be bold witnesses. And so uh, Jesus came to where this man was. Isn't it interesting? Sometimes when we see things, uh, David and I were watching uh, some kind of television show the other night, and, and this commercial came on with these animals that were suffering. Did y'all see? I, I hate those commercials. And I, uh, I tried to press the fast-forward button, but I'd already fast-forwarded past what I had recorded, so I had to watch it. And I just really didn't enjoy it that much. But, you know, sometimes our inclination when we see somebody that is hurting, 
or we see somebody that is suffering is to turn away. It's uncomfortable. It's not pleasant uh, to deal sometimes with the, the brokenness that people experience in their lives. But Jesus never shied away from broken people. Not one time. And there was never a broken people who came to Jesus that Jesus didn't respond to. And I'm so glad that that's true of Jesus because we're all broken. Some of our brokenness is more evident than others. But all of us are, are broken. And the wonderful thing is about Jesus is that he doesn't just leave us to ourselves. He comes to us where we are. And he loves us and he seeks to reach out to us. We, as God's people, need to do the same thing. Uh, we need to be willing. And, and, and you can't do this in your own strength. But we need to be willing to um, go to the brokenness, go to the people uh, that need help, and to help them. Why? Because Jesus did it. And the greatest help that we can provide them is telling them about Jesus. It's the greatest help we can give them. We need to be bold witnesses. You say, well, how do you do this? You can't do it in your own strength. You do it through supernatural empowerment. You ask God to love people through you. And you ask God to witness through you. You ask God for boldness. Do you remember what happened with the early church? Peter and John, they're, they're out there preaching and telling people about Jesus. And um, they're persecuted. The, the religious leadership doesn't like it that they're having such a good response. So they arrest them. Uh, they they uh, beat them. And, and put them in jail overnight. They bring them before the Sanhedrin, which is the, the governing body of that day. And they said, we're commanding you not to teach in Jesus' name. And uh, they said, well, you, you judge for yourself whether it's right for us to obey God or to obey you. And so he said, they said, we can't help but say what the things that God has put upon our hearts to say. And so uh, they were kind of at a loss because a miracle had taken place and nobody could deny that. And so they said, well, we'll just let these guys go. And they commanded, don't you preach in Jesus' name. And so what did they do? They went and they met with the church and they, they all had a prayer meeting. And what did they ask for? God, please deliver us from persecution? No. They said, Lord, give us boldness. Give us boldness to speak in your name. And you know what? The Bible says God gave them boldness. And they went out and they began to speak with great boldness and power. And the place where they were meeting was shaken. God's presence came down with them. Listen, as at no other time in American history does America need the church like America needs the church today. We need to be bold witnesses for Jesus Christ. We need to tell people where the water is. Somebody once said, uh, uh, witnessing is like one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. I like that. We need to tell people where the bread is to be found. It's in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So, right response is caring action. Secondly, bold witnessing. Thirdly, encouraging words. Encouraging words. Now, the example that I'm going to read you in the scripture is not encouraging. It's discouraging. How would you feel if you, after 38 years of suffering, had just been healed, and you're told to pick up your mat and walk, and you pick up your mat, and you're walking down the street, and some religious... Uh, leader comes up to you and says, what in the world do you think you're doing? Carrying your mat. Don't you know it's against our tradition to carry your mat on the Sabbath? What's the matter with you? Listen, I'm going to tell you something. There are religious people who are some of the most unkind, ungodly people that you will find. 
But that's not the way Jesus was, and that's not the way we're supposed to be. When we're filled with the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love and gentleness. But just like today, there are many people who want to come up with their own set of rules and make everybody else follow them. Uh, the Pharisees, the Bible did say that they weren't supposed to carry a burden on the Sabbath, but that was speaking about work. It wasn't speaking about the mat, and this was just something the Pharisees had added. And so, um, talk about killjoy, right? I mean, here you are, you're excited, you're celebrating, and, and here comes this critical, mean-spirited, ugly person to rain on your parade. Listen, don't be that person. Look to, to the needs of people. You see, religion gets things out of whack. I'm not saying right religion. I mean, there's a right religion. That is faith in Jesus Christ and a relationship with Jesus Christ. But uh, religion without Christ or religion that is just religion and is not uh, promoted by Christ can, can be very negative and can be very outwardly focused and very critical and very mean-spirited and uh, religion then becomes a turnoff to the people who need Jesus the most. And so uh, Jesus always cared about people. He was more concerned about people than he was about tradition. Be careful that your tradition doesn't get in the way of your loving people. Uh, so instead of being like this Pharisee, be a person who is an encourager. Encouraging words. Do you want to get well? I think that would be an encouraging thing to say. That's what Jesus said. Get up, take up your mountain walk. Uh, what an encouraging thing to know uh, that there is hope for the future. It's, it's amazing sometimes. Uh, if you smile at someone, how they will smile back. Have you ever noticed that? I was, I was walking uh, through a hospital one day, and I saw this woman. She had this, this frown, and this, she looked like she was having a bad day. I mean, it just looked really bad. And this, this other lady walked across, and, and she smiled at her, a real big smile. And she said, how are you doing today? And the lady, it's amazing. It was a miracle. That frown turned upside down. You know, you say, well, uh, that's a small thing. But did you know, there, there are some people who just need an encouragement. I, I, I heard W.A. Crystal share a story. Um, he was in seminary, and one day he just kind of got full of Jesus, and he was just enjoying worshiping the Lord and he was singing a song and the lyrics went like this it pays to serve Jesus it pays every day it pays to serve Jesus every step of the way he was just excited he was he was worshiping God he didn't know that anybody else was around uh, years later a man came up to him at a, at a conference and said uh, Dr. Criswell uh, you don't know me but I, I need to tell you about what happened in seminary he said, I was discouraged. He said, things were falling apart in my life. And, and I was down in my dorm room packing up my stuff to quit seminary and go home. And I heard you singing, it pays to serve Jesus. It pays every day. It pays to serve Jesus every step of the way. And he said, I decided to stay in seminary. Today I'm a pastor. Thank you for encouraging me. Do you know there are people that need encouragement? Be an encourager, not a discourager, right? Be an encourager. And so uh, the right response, choose caring action, bold witness, encouraging words, and finally gentle rebuke. Now this is very politically incorrect, 
But Jesus was never too concerned about what people thought. Look at verse 14. After this, Jesus found him in the temple complex and said to him, See, you are well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. Now, isn't this an interesting comment? We're not told what the sin is. Uh, the man apparently doesn't respond to him, or at least it's not recorded if he does. But Jesus gives a gentle rebuke to this man. Why? Because Jesus knows his heart. Now, this is, this is important. Notice that Jesus shows this man love before he repents. That's an important point. Don't, don't wait for people to try to live up to things before you love them. Love them the way they are. Aren't you glad Jesus loved us the way we are? I, I wouldn't have had a chance if Jesus expected me to live up to something before saving my soul. You come to Jesus to have your soul changed, right? He does the work of change in us. But anyway, um, Jesus gave this man a gentle rebuke and and so he showed him his love. Now he's saying, look, there's a problem in your life. And I want you to understand what it is. And that problem is sin. Now see, the world looks at sin differently than God looks at sin. The world says, oh, sin's not a big deal. We need to be supportive. We need to affirm each other despite sin. And, and there is a sense in which we need to encourage people. But we don't need to affirm sin. Now, Jesus gently and in love addresses this man's sin. Now, can I tell you something? That is a loving thing to do. When you care about somebody, I've been rebuked by my parents, sometimes rebuked and spanked, <laughs> and, uh, and I earned it many times. And so, uh, but, uh, but because they cared about me, they would point out things that I did that were wrong. And they weren't overly critical, but, you know, there were some times that I needed a word, okay? You know, I've had people uh, over the years, some in church, that have, that have rebuked me. Sometimes it was appropriate and sometimes it wasn't. But um, I hope that I will be, as Proverbs says, will be wise to listen to rebuke and to learn from rebuke uh, because that's what the Scripture says a wise man does. You, you learn. Uh, my dad once told me when you, when you go in the ministry, there might be people that hate your guts who will criticize you, but pay attention to what they say. Because sometimes, not all the time, sometimes you, it may not be right, but sometimes they will say something that will help you. Because the thing that they are addressing you about, they may just be saying it to be mean, but it's something that you need to fix. Listen to them. And so... Um, isn't it true that the people that have made the most impact on us and who have influenced the most usually are people who will tell us the truth? And so Jesus, in love, told this man the truth. And we're not, we're not told if he responded. He did go tell the Jewish authorities, and maybe he wasn't going to respond. Uh, but, um, but Jesus gave him the opportunity. Now let me just say this. Sickness doesn't always come because of sin. Uh, later on in, in the gospel, uh, there's a blind man that's, that's healed by Jesus. And the, and the disciples say, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither one. 
This happened so that the work of God could be displayed in his life. And so it doesn't necessarily, if you're sick, it, sometimes sickness is part of just be, living in this sin-cursed world that we live in. But sometimes it may be God's way of getting someone's attention. And so Jesus is saying, look, I want you to understand something. I've healed you, but there's an inward problem that you have, and you need to repent of it. Because God may bring some judgment and chastening into your life if you don't. Um, this is the kindness of God. You know what I found? When, before I, before I knew Jesus, I, I looked at uh, as sin is, is not that big of a deal. Um, and I, I remember I used quite a bit of profanity at school. I knew kind of how to do it because my parents would not let me get away with that. So I would do that at school and then I would not do it when I was at home. Or when I was at church. I knew how to live one way at church and live another way at school. And, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal to me to sin. But once I came to Christ, I found out that sin was my enemy. Why? Because Jesus changed my heart. He, and he, because of his forgiveness and the fact that he died for my sin, I was able to be changed. And I began to understand more and more. And it's taken me years, to, I think, to, to really look at sin the way, probably the way I need to. I may not be completely there yet, but, um, but sin is the enemy. Why? Because sin destroys. Sin corrupts. Sin separates us in fellowship from God. Uh, if, if you're a lost person, the reason you don't have a relationship with God is because of sin. The sin in the garden, but also your own personal sin. The Bible says all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. So sin separates us from the most important thing in life, which is a relationship with God. But then even after you become a Christian, even though you're forgiven for your sin, as you sin, it separates you. Not you still God's child, but you're separated from him in fellowship. Kind of like you have a fight with somebody in your family, maybe your spouse. And there may not be something physically between you, but hey, buddy, there's a barrier there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's kind of the idea. And so you confess that. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful with us, forgive us our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, so that the fellowship can be restored. But see, sin is the enemy. It robs us of fellowship with God. It robs us of God's best sometimes. I wonder how many times David, King David, must have thought, uh, I wonder what would have happened had I not gone the route with Bathsheba. His whole life changed from that point on in his life. He had trouble in his family and all of these issues that were going on in his life. And I, I, I have to wonder, perhaps multiple times in his life, he thought back and looked back at, with regret at what he had done in the past and thought, you know, what would have happened had I done things the right way? Well, I, I praise God that he gives beauty for ashes and that he, he heals us of our past and he gives us a future. But we need to recognize that sin is an enemy. Um, isn't it a wonderful thing to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus? And um, that's why Jesus came. Because God loved us so much, he didn't want that separation between us and him to continue. And so he sent Jesus, and Jesus willingly offered himself on the cross in our place as a perfect, spotless, sinless substitute so that our punishment could be laid upon him and his blessing could be laid upon us, though we don't deserve it. 
And that's the grace and the message of the gospel. Um, gentle rebuke is the doorway that leads to the cross. The Bible says the law is a schoolmaster to lead you to Christ. The law, or, or the, the things in God's word that tells us what sin is, shows us our sin so that we recognize our need for Jesus Christ. And so gentle rebuke ends up becoming one of the greatest blessings that we could ever have because it points us in the direction of Jesus Christ. And when you begin to confess that sin before God, I love that story about the publican. He was, he was so overwhelmed by his sin, he just beat his breast. And he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that man went home justified. You see, it's when you understand your sin and your need for Christ that you can find the redemption that is there. Uh, so Jesus, that gentle rebuke is intended to be an act of love. Uh, so choosing the right responses needs to be gentle rebuke. And by the way, I mentioned before, grace sprinkled with salt. The rebukes need to be the minority in your life. Okay, Some people love to, I pride myself in speaking my mind. And what they mean is they never use any tact or any love with anybody that they interact with. Okay? Uh, they just let whatever comes in the brain comes out the lips, right? That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about uh, rebuke that the Holy Spirit of God leads you to give. This is talking about rebuke that maybe, if it's a significant rebuke, you've, you've gotten aside with God and you spent several days praying about this, seeking the counsel of, of other people without you know, gossiping about the person. But you, you're seeking the counsel of other people and what to do uh, and, and listening to God and even uh, considering how to say it and, and the right situation to say it. But, but you take it seriously. In other words, you're not just running roughshod over somebody else telling them whatever comes to mind. No, this is, a, this is a step of love to try to help that person come to Christ or help that person be restored in their relationship with Christ. So... Uh, but gentle rebuke is important. It's a, it's a response that needs to be uh, in our toolbox uh, in dealing with others. So choosing the right responses, caring action, bold witnessing, encouraging words, and gentle rebuke. This is how Jesus responded to people, and this is how we need to respond to people as well. Let me just say one other thing. Um, the the altar is going to be open. We're about to have an invitation. The altar is going to be open. If if maybe you've not responded to people in the right way, you can come and tell the Lord that and ask God to empower you uh, to respond in the right way. Well, come to me for prayer. I'd be happy to pray with you. But maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ. I want you to look at this, this man here at the, at the pool of Bethesda and imagine that it's you. Because just like Jesus loved that man at the pool of Bethesda, he loved you. The Bible says that God so loved the world, right? That means you and that means me. He loves you. And no matter what your brokenness, no matter what your sin, Jesus loves you. He, taught, he healed the man before the man repented. He loves you. And you need to understand that. God's love for you uh, is despite, not because of. God is the only person who consistently gives unconditional love uh, uh, with the exception of Christians who are filled with the Spirit and the times when they are filled with the Spirit. 
But God is the only person that loves in that way all the time. He loves unconditionally. However, because God is just, because God is righteous, he has to carry out a penalty for sin. That's why Jesus had to come. There was no other way. And so the penalty had to be carried out. It either has to be carried out upon you, which God doesn't want. There's a separation from God, eternity, and hell. But it's either carried out on you or it's carried out upon Christ in your place when you receive the gift of salvation that Jesus has purchased for you. So I want to invite you this morning to receive that gift. Uh, and so I'll be standing here at the front, and uh, receiving that gift involves a, a couple of things. Uh, believing that Jesus died for your sin and rose again, that's part of it. Surrender of your life. In other words, Lord, I surrender every part of my life to follow you, to obey you as my life. I'm choosing to follow you as my Lord. Uh, but it also has to do with receiving uh, the gift of salvation and simple trust. Uh, if you're ready to do that this morning, it would be my delight uh, to pray with you, and you can leave this place changed and in a new relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, and Jesus can be your constant companion in life. Wouldn't that be great? So uh, let's pray, and if God's touching your heart, we'll give you an opportunity to respond to him in just a moment. Father, I pray for each person here. Lord, you know what each person is dealing with and, and, and how you're moving each person to respond. God, I pray that you give us the, the boldness and the...